I'll go get it. Hello. Happy April. It's April Fool's Day, and here are two non-fools, but <laughs> sometimes we're foolish. Um, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We are two April Fools that have been <laughs> in the business for over 25 years. Uh, of course, we started at age 10. We did. Know. Yeah, we, we did. did. Yeah. Um, through, but it, through this podcast, Digging Deep, our main initiative here is to pass on to you the information um, that we've had and gained over all of our many years of experience. Yes, and our stories and our foibles, those are our mistakes. And anything that we can do to help you and your family create these wonderful outdoor environments. That's right. Now, I want to, um, I saw this on Facebook. There's, you have to imagine this, this is a picture of this beautiful greenhouse and a garden and tons of plants. And the title said, you know that tingly feeling you get when you enter a plant shop? And then at the bottom it says, it's the common sense leaving your body. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, you know, here it is spring and all these fabulous plants are at the nursery, the colors, the textures. Just don't get crazy because we're going to talk about maintenance today. Right? right. And this is this was my idea because I have to say I'm, I'm going to do my little rant, my, my pet peeve. So, you know, of course, both uh, Roberta and I do consulting. Well, I've been going out and doing consulting and the thing that just absolutely just shocks me like unbelievable is that you come to these yards and yes i know that they're calling a professional for help but when you look around it's like recently i did like four or five this week that it was like oh my god do you not know what it means to weed does it do you not know what it means to do a little cleanup I know you want creative ideas and I know, you, you know, you want ideas to spruce it up. But before you go to those ideas, how about what's called the little maintenance? And, you know, we have a joke at our office, you know, as we work with people, they go, we, we want a low maintenance yard. And one of my associates says, to, says, well, I've never had anyone ask me for a high maintenance yard. Right. Everyone wants low maintenance. Yeah. And um, be aware, because a lot of times people say, well, I have a gardener, but again, Gardeners don't seem to bend, right? They have, they're in an upright position with a blower. <laughs> so, so like I was, at, I was at one garden, and one of the things I first, well, these are two two really interesting stories. But the first one was, so I get called from to do a consultation, give some advice, um, and the woman's husband is a plant geneticist. So I'm excited because she had on the phone said that you know we have some really unusual plant specimens, and I'm thinking, oh my god, this is going to be so much fun seeing all these unusual things. I arrive at the house, and the first thing that hit me was, I've never seen so many weeds, oh. so much disheveled mess in my life. And I said, you know, I was talking about one area on the side, you know, that why don't you just, because no one goes there, there's no windows, and it's a great place to store things, why don't you just put gravel? So the husband says, oh, well, there is gravel there. And I go, um... Yeah, there might be, but you can't even see the gravel because the weeds are like four and a half feet tall. And he goes, yeah, I guess I need to. And I said, well, what about weed cloth? Oh, yeah, I for I didn't do that. I just threw the, the gravel down. So yep. I was like, oh, my God. Then, 
you know, then, okay, this is a plant geneticist, which is incredible. This is wonderful plants and everything. Can I tell you, there had to have been 500 pots of every size, shape, color imaginable with some things were alive, some things were half alive, some things were were laying over completely dead, some things were on top of each other. You know, and they use the excuse that they were stacking these pots because they were keeping them out of the cold weather. But I got to tell you, you, you can tell if something's been there for a long time when it's got mold and dirt and dust all over it. It hasn't been there for a month or two. It's been there for years. Yeah, this is um, this is an interesting point because um, there is no no or non uh, a, a yard that maintains itself. Now, I have a yard that I put in. I don't know how many years ago, twenty years ago, and <clears throat> I know how big everything was going to get. I knew what it was going to do, and it, for the most part, maintains itself in that respect. However, when the spring rains come, stuff does germinate. I have a neighbor that I absolutely loathe, and they have a privet tree that they won't get rid of. So I have to, it's my Zen thing to pick out privet sprouts, because if you don't, you're going to yeah. have more trees in your yard. And um, I have gardeners that come once a week because they do the cleanup. So even if you, you have gardeners doing the cleanup, you have to get in and weed. And if you have things in pots, they dry out so easily. You know, we right. had such a dry winter and then we had the winds. And any any time you have that combination of no rain and wind, it just sucks the moisture out of those pots. And so, I told my clients, and, and here's my philosophy, may not be everyone's, but it, in this case, you know, there's that old saying, you know, bigger isn't better. Well, when it comes to pots, bigger is better. Because for me, instead of having... 20 little teeny tchotchke pots all over that you have to water and take care of and they don't have a lot of soil. If you put in five, three, three to five, very large, three foot of diameter by maybe two foot high, large pots that you put in good topsoil, we talked about that last time, good potting soil, you can do a wonderful arrangement, a wonderful plant marriage. If, if you're into succulents, you can mix your succulents. If you're into perennials, and you can get so much more bang for your buck in a very large pot, you drip irrigate that so that you don't have to go there all the time and water. And then if you put a drain underneath it, it doesn't stain brown water all over your patio. And I will tell you, you don't have to get rid of plants. You just have to group them and get them get them out of those little teeny puny pots that dry out and put them in big, large planters or planting pots. And, you know, um, one of my um, one of the designers that works with me, one of the things we hate, just so, just so you all know, is um, if if we're doing a landscape design and we get to a house where they've been collecting plants and they have literally 30 to 40 different plants and pots and then tell us they'd like them incorporated into the landscape. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and they, go, they go with nothing. They have nothing to do with each other. And the funny thing is you've got sun, you've got a whole bunch of shade plants sitting in pots shoved into a corner. Um, and unfortunately, so they say, well, what if we put them in the ground? But they don't, they have a full southern exposure, no shade. And you put them in the ground, they're all just going to shrivel up and turn into crispy critters. 
So that's why I started with um, telling you about that, what I saw on Facebook, you know, how you get tingles when you go into nursery. That's why I said, wait, don't just buy anything because you really need to plan where it's going to go. We keep drumming this over and over. Over and-, and over again. But it's true. The other thing that I hate, and, and Roberta started at saying that, I mean, you may have a gardener and gardeners are great, um, but most of them are mow, blow and go. They show up at your yard. They they blow up, blow everything into a corner, and then they go for a walk. And if they do prune, which God forbid, half of them should never have a pruning shear in their hand. I don't they know. Turn everything, yeah, they turn everything into a big gigantic ottoman. It's Ooh. it's either a square, a box, or a round circle. Right. These gorgeous natural flowing plants. I mean. I almost cried the other day. I saw the most gorgeous Japanese maples turned into round, big lollipops. And you look at them and I mean, the branching structure was incredible. And the whole top had been turned into a big round lollipop. And it's like, oh, my God, how could you have done that to that plant? Yeah, well, you know, so many people um, don't like junipers. They, you know, and I had a client today that said the junipers. I said, look, and she said, "Okay, let me hear your spiel. I said. I've got three of them in a corner. They're called old gold. They have this beautiful golden color. They don't get higher than like three and a half feet. And in the winter when it's dark and there's no flower color, that's a fabulous color. It's not near anybody. We're not talking about the old junipers that people would plant. And then they got hedged into lumps and they smell like cat pee. No, not those. (laughs) So, so, So many plants that people don't like they don't like because what they've seen is what's been done to them. Exactly. And I have to say, you know, my memories of childhood are the, are the, the junipers like Cappy, but I love, there's a ground cover. There's a shore juniper that is it, so feathery that when people see it, they actually think it's a fern and it's gorgeous. In the I know, they've, got, they've got the gold variety. I've got it planted. It's gorgeous. I love those. And they're hardy, they're drought tolerant, they can take intense sun, and they just look amazing. So yeah, I mean, but but I cannot tell you, Laura Pedlin, the Chinese fringe flower is, is a perfect example that has something that has been hedged to death. You have these gorgeous fringe flowers that can be opened up in shapes so that they look gorgeous, and people turn them into these Again, what I call Ottomans. They're square, they're round, or they're, they're um, oblong shape, and they just look ridiculous. They, they do it to Nandina domesticas as well. Yes, yes. People know yes. those heavenly bamboo, which they're evergreen. They've got a beautiful form. If they get too shaggy, don't hedge it. You just take off certain branches and let the form stay. So this right. is a part of maintenance, by the way, is um, taking care No, first of all, knowing the plants in your yard, right? So it takes a little bit of understanding, knowing that, you know, not everything gets hedged. And also pull out the weeds while the the soil is still soft. We had another rain, thank God, um, yep. recently. And this is the time to go and, you know, get in your Zen attitude and start plucking them. <laughs> and, and those of you that have roses that are starting to bloom, which is wonderful, but they've got aphids, exactly. you don't have to immediately go and get chemicals. I mean, there are so many, there are so many alternatives. Number one is you can get ladybugs and release them when, when it's starting to get dust. Or you can, there's pyrethrum spray, which is oils from chrysanthemums that is non-toxic, that again will will get rid of all of the the um, uh, 
aphids without doing any toxic damage to the environment. Right. There's a there's a, a spray called Safer, and you can get it at any Ace Hardware, almost anywhere, and that's for aphids. And it's pretty much a, a mild dish soap that does it. Let me tell you something about uh, ladybugs. I know we've talked about this before. I don't know how many people bought a, a little mesh bag of ladybugs, and then you put them on the rows and basically what they do is they fly away. So the proper thing to do if you have ladybugs is you buy them and before you release them, leave them at the base of the plant. Yes. They, they got to get to know their surroundings. And then um, after a couple days, you, you let them out and then they'll crawl out and they'll be hungry. But if you just like open the bag and shake them out, they're not going to go on the plant. So no, they run, they run away. But I mean, there are so many things. So looking for things like aphids. Um, I mean, there's so many different things that you need to weeding. We talked about mulching is a really important thing as we're getting really, really warm um, and it's starting to warm up. If you can put an organic mulch around your plants, number one, you won't have to weed as much. Number two, you're definitely not going to have to use as much water. And it, it, it acts like a blanket, an insulator, so that the soil doesn't dry out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're on a budget, um, something that's a wonderful um, weed inhibitor is cardboard. So you could take cardboard boxes and um, cut them up. And I used to have a community garden, uh, you know, garden plot at the community garden. And um, what we would do is people would bring their excess uh, cardboard boxes and we'd flatten them and put them down and then put bark or whatever, you know, mulch that you have. And what happens, it decomposes. It's not toxic and it blocks out the light. And it's an easy way. Now, I'm not talking about Bermuda grass or nutgrass. I'm talking about basic spring weeds. Right. Car is a, is a good alternative. I think that's a great idea. I mean, light pruning, a little bit of, and definitely fertilizing, weeding is really important, cutting the old dead, dead growth off of, again, I, I'm discovering, you know, my perennials are coming back like gangbusters, but there's old growth there that looks pretty sad. Like I had a plumbago and the top of it was all dead. So I pruned that off and now all the new leaves are flushing out and it's beautiful. But again, it's, it's, your yard isn't going to maintain itself. It's not like something you put it in, you close your eyes and it's going to take care of itself. And so what's going to happen is you're going to spend money, all this money you're spending. And if you don't invest and it's not even money, if you don't plan to invest a little bit of time to take care of it, I had to be honest with you, your investment is just going to go down the toilet. It's going to go down the drain because no matter what you do, it's just going to look rattier and rattier. So, I mean, part of part of landscaping, part of owning a house, if you're planning on not doing all plastic and silks, is you've got to commit some time to a little bit of maintenance, general maintenance. Yes, you can get a gardener, but they're allergic to weeding. They're allergic to pruning. They don't know, a lot of them don't know what they're doing. So they can do the general cleanup, but you need to spend a little time making the place look great. Right. Well, let's let's back step. So if you have it designed, your landscape designed properly, weed barrier is something that is a must. It's permeable. Yes. There's different um, weights and of it, you know, heavyweight and lightweight. I'm not talking about the cheap plastic stuff at Home Depot, which I'm sure you've seen that rips, you know, the bark gets bald. And then you see this ripped um, weed barrier. But if you take the time, don't just buy the plants. First, prepare the area 
the weed barrier goes over the soil and you cut an X and a hole in the weed fabric when you plant your plant and you put the good soil in. But the weed barrier, I'm here to tell you, is going to make your life so much easier. Now, birds drop seeds. The wind blows seeds in. Right. The spring rains happen. You might get some weeds, but they pluck out really easy. And then once summer hits, you're not going to have weeds because most, I mean, the way I plant and in these beds, we use drip irrigation. So only the plant that's uh, living and alive that we want alive is getting drip irrigation. Anything in between that sprouted up as a weed is just something that occurred because we had some rain and there was a seed there. And um, But it's not going to happen in summer. It's hot and dry. So these are the steps that we keep drilling into you that are worth it. They might cost a little bit more. If you can't afford the weed barrier, then use the cardboard. There's right. Over the winter time, we did get a little rain, not a lot, but enough rain that you can see where you where you have problems with drainage, whether everything is eroding, um, which means it's, it's coming down and winding up on your patio or on your walkway, or you've got standing water sitting in a, se a section of your patio or standing water on your walkway. This now is a t the perfect time because the soil is still uh, has some moisture and it's easy to work to put in your drainage, put in your drain lines rather than just say, oh, I, I would, we don't have we're not getting any more rain. So I don't have to worry about it. That's not true. In fact, I was out at a job site yesterday. And again, the whole side, I mean, this was a major side yard with lots of views and everything that they had the previous owners had poured concrete throughout the whole place with one drain. It was already and they said during the and, and there was a hillside on the other side of this retaining wall. And, and they said in the wintertime, the minute we got rains, all the water was starting to come into the house because one little teeny drain couldn't handle it all. So, I mean, not only are they going to have to rip up a lot of the concrete, they've got to put in major drainage because that it, that whole side yard is flooding. Well, again, that has to do with planning in the beginning. You know, obviously, if you pour concrete and then think about the drainage, not going to work. It goes exactly. in. You know? And so... Um, there's ways to alter your drainage. You know, what really bothers me is that I'll go to these houses and all the concrete paths are in, and yet the downspouts from the gutters are just pouring onto the concrete instead yep. Yep. of them putting them a, a drain and then putting the drain underneath the concrete. Right, absolutely. Uh, for, um, for five years, my pro bono work was for Habitat for Humanity, and we built houses that are LEED certified, leaders in energy and environmental design really high sustainable homes and it was very difficult to get lead points you have to really um really go to the outer limits to get these extra points to be more sustainable and one of the things is, is that instead of the drains running all the way down to the street and then pouring out over the sidewalk and getting moldy we stopped the drains midway in the landscape so whatever rain we get whatever comes off your gutter it's gonna it might flood in into your landscape but it'll penetrate down into the soil so if you have drains that are going all the way from the backyard to the front yard down to the curb you don't need to have them go that far have them stop in the landscape especially now when we're getting so little rain you right. love it right absolutely so these are things that as i said they fall under the category of maintenance 
even if you've made the mistakes at this point in time, it's time to look at the areas and do the maintenance, do the, the fixing of the drainage. Um, irrigation, I mean, if you or sprinklers, if you don't have drip, you can switch to it. If you have um, above ground, you know, uh, if you actually have conventional sprinklers, you can put different heads in there that don't spray all over the sidewalk and all over the fence and all over the house. You can and turn those down. You can run some lateral lines. I mean, there are so many different solutions, but it all comes under the category of maintenance. And the bottom line is, if you don't do that, what's going to happen is your investment is just going to go down the tubes because it's not, as I said earlier, it's not going to take care of itself and it's not going to get better. It's just going to get worse. No. And here's, here's another perspective on that. Right now we have absolutely in Northern California, gorgeous weather. I mean, gorgeous weather. It's before the heat, before the hell comes on and to get out in the garden, to get yourself a little knee pad or, you know, a little foam and sit down and, and pluck out weeds. It's actually very meditative and lovely. And you're doing, you're not only cleaning up, but you're taking time out from whatever busy schedule you have. And as you clean the weeds out and then you look at your garden, there's just a sense of fulfillment. It's just like, yeah, this is nice. This is, I paid for this garden or I've planted this garden. I love this garden. So now's the time to do it. Well, before it, you know, you know what it's like, uh, anywhere in California, most likely, except way Northern California, it's brutal heat in the summer. In the I agree with you. And one of the things that I found is even if you think about just putting in a little bit of, you don't have a lots of time, but you can put in like every morning, maybe even before work or if on the weekend, you just donate 15 minutes, like on a Saturday, uh, 20 minutes on a Sunday, you go out there early in the morning with your cup of coffee, if you drink coffee or tea, and you go and take one little area and that's where you're going to weed or that's where you're going to prune or that's where you're going to head um, do some uh, heading out. Uh, heading back, those kind of things you can work on slowly. And as you move down the area, you can, the satisfaction's great. So instead of a lot of people saying, well, I don't have a whole Saturday. I don't have a whole Sunday. I've got activities. I've got soccer. I've got this or that. But every one of us, I'm sure, has about 15 to 20 minutes early in the morning while we're, that we could go out and kind of commune with nature and do a little bit of maintenance. And that is going to make such a big difference in your yard and in, in, in your whole lifestyle in terms of entertaining and using the space. Yeah, and frankly, I can't relax in my garden. I am always, every time I sit down and relax and I see a sprout somewhere, up I get. I have to, I have to yep. get it out. And um, as I've told you before, I had broken my fibula, my right, the bone right above my ankle, and um, I'm finally out of a cast. And so I have this stumpy, stumpy boot that I go in, but I can walk. And as I walk to the back of my garden, which I couldn't get to before on my knee scooter, I'm amazed at what's blooming. My lilac is blooming. My bluebells are blooming. So if you take some time, you might be surprised at this time of year that from the house window, you might not see what's blooming. So get out there and take a look. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Well, it's so nice when your podcast partner agrees. Isn't that nice? <laughs> it's also nice to be able to get a chance to get on your soapbox and complain because as I said, this has been a week going to jobs that it just stuns me how much, how poor a job people are doing 
taking care of their yards. And yes, I understand being able to redo it, wonderful. Being able to freshen it up, wonderful. Being able to hire a professional to give you new ideas, wonderful. But the basics of just maintaining what you've got, cleaning it up. And I mean, one last thing that I have to say, for God's sakes, can I just ask a favor for anyone that's listening? If you have a dog and you're hiring a professional to come around and walk through your yard, it doesn't take a lot of time to clean up the dog poop. It (laughs) takes maybe a little, and there is nothing more frustrating than walking through a yard and having 45 mounds of dog poop all over that you're trying to maneuver past and not step on and not not brush against and everything. I mean, it's a little bit of consideration. I know. Since you're paying. Yeah, I know. Listen, I had had some clients, um, this is many, many years ago, and they were on vacation when I had to go measure. And of course, they left their son to take care of the dogs and to clean up the dog poop, right? So um, when I got there, oh my God, to this day, and even though it got redone, fabulous outdoor kitchen, to this day, I refer to that job as the dog shit job. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing more frustrating than having to go when you're being hired to A, either walk around and give ideas or B, measure a job or work on it that, I mean, I'm sorry, but it doesn't take a lot of time. I have two dogs. I go out every single day and clean up after them. It takes me literally a minute and a half, maybe two minutes of time. But I do. I go through the plants and I know that they go to the bathroom and clean it up because we've had workers or people working in the yard or even visitors. And there's Nothing more disturbing than having a visitor walk through your garden with big mounds of dog do, dog dew around. That's yes. disturbing. And, so, and, I mean, and, that's, a, that's a personal but, thing that I'm asking for anyone that listens to this podcast that are having people over, whether it's a professional, whether it's company, whether it's relatives, clean up the dog poop. Right. Or if it's a crew, you know, I've had my landscape crew... Um, and, you know, they say, look, there's dog poop all over. And, and then they step in it. And then it goes, they walk in the concrete. It's just bad news. So anyway. Bad news. Or you, they get in your car or no. you, go, you go in your own car and you're going, oh, my God, what's that horrible smell? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's all part of maintenance. And, you know, we love our animals, but taking care of them is another part of maintaining things to keep them clean. And the, the, the whole uh, rant and tirade today has been mainly because for us, Michael and I as landscape designers, when we go to yards and we see the, the weeds, it's heartbreaking. When it we, it, it, it did have a landscape at one point and then it was left to go. And sometimes people get ill and they can't, you know, they can't take care of it, although they can always hire somebody. It's heartbreaking for us to see. Like, I don't know, there's a wonderful, wonderful book called The Secret Garden. It's been made into a, a, a movie, a movie. Yeah. more than once, probably. And um, the idea was it was a fabulous garden. And then the wife died. She had a fall and the swing. And the husband was so, so um, sad and upset. He just locked the garden and went and traveled through Europe. And this young girl who gets sent there because she's a distant relative and her parents died in India of some illness, she starts wandering around the garden. And she's a nasty little thing. She was she was raised by um, uh, all these servants. And here she is now, no parents, walking around this garden. She has nothing to do. But she walks around the garden 
And she sees this bird, this little robin on the top of a wall. And pretty soon the robin shows her the gate, the door that's been hidden. And she goes and finds this garden and starts to clean it up because she has nothing else to do. And it transforms her and it transforms the garden. So if you have a big weedy mess, imagine it's a secret garden just waiting for you <laughs> to start weeding and loving it and turning it into something beautiful. I yeah. love that. That is a great sentiment to close with. Okay, well, I'm Roberta Walker. I'm your I'm, uh, fairy dreamer. And Michael, go ahead. <laughs> I'm Michael Glassman, the ranter, the ranter and the raver. <laughs> but we're two landscape designers who are here to help you and so happy that you joined us in our podcast, which is Digging Deep.